Amen. Let's give the Lord another shout of praise in this place. Come on, he is faithful. He is good. Amen. Well, hey, you guys may take your seat here in person. And uh, man, welcome again to church, to Alive Family Church. We're so glad to have all of you with us, whether you're here in person. And special shout out to you guys online as well. We're so glad you guys are here. And if I could just start with a total rabbit trail tangent, it's this. How many of you guys are happy to be in God's house this morning? Come on, worshiping him. Come on. Seriously, I've been stirred up all morning. God led me to Psalm 122, verse 1. It is a famous verse. Many of you guys may know it. It's where David, the worshiper, says, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Come on now. David said, ah, come on. I can't wait to get to God's house, right? The message translation said, David's heart leaped for joy to go to church. And if I can be honest with you, it was not always like that for me. <laughs> if I can just be real and transparent with you, maybe you can relate to this season. Some of you guys, maybe you're on drugs. You're like, what? You were drugged to church this morning, all right? Your husband or your wife or, you know, your mom or dad said, you're going. And, and, and I, me and my brother growing up, we, we did everything in our power not to go to church. You know, my mom came knocking and it was like, we were ticked when she said unto us, let's go to the house of the Lord. Like it was the exact opposite of how David felt in this scenario. And we would moan, we would groan, we'd fake sick. Uh, we would lock our doors. We would just hit our snooze on purpose. And they would sometimes would just go without us, unfortunately. But you, I've been reflecting a lot on that. Why, why was that? Why were we so bored and so revolted with church? And I'll be honest with you. It was because a lot of that, in that season of life, church was just a bunch of man-made, it was, it was religion, but it was not a relationship. There was no personal there. It was a bunch of do's and don'ts. God and Jesus and Christianity and church was like do's and don'ts and you can't do that and you shouldn't do that and, and you should probably try to be a good person to get to heaven and all of this and it was boring and it was dry and it was dead and I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but man, what has changed since that point in that season of my life to now is this, that man, when I realized that when Jesus came, when he lived on this earth, when he died and then rose again three days later, he didn't die so that I could have religion. He died and he did that so that I could have a relationship with a loving God who loves me. And guess what? He loves you. A God who would be there in all our seasons, our highs and our lows. A God that would walk through the fire with us and make us not be burned or smell like smoke. A God that would always be faithful to his word and always committed to us. And now today, Sundays are sacred for me. And I don't know who this is for and why we're getting off on this, but man, if church has been a drag, man, church is not something to be endured. It's something to be enjoyed, amen? And I believe God's building a place and a house of worship even here at Alive where we can get excited about coming to God's house just like David. Come on, somebody. We can say this is the best day of our week. Sundays are sacred for me and my family. We cannot wait to get to God's house and worship with you guys. And so, man, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're tuning in online. But hey, Let's continue to be a part of a church that loves coming to church. Can I get an amen? Because it's not about attending church. It's about being the church. And we are more like the church than ever when we gather and we keep gathering, we keep worshiping God. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Let's go. So that's my mini message before the message. All right. Praise God. Everybody doing okay? Well, hey, we are in the first uh, Sunday of the month of May. And, and May is kind of a unique month. We love May. Uh, we've got Mother's Day coming up next Sunday. We've got 
Memorial Day weekend coming up at the end of the month. And so instead of like committing to a, a, a series uh, where we're going to stay in that vein for every week, we've decided, hey, Lord, just we're going to make some room for you to move in our lives. And each week might be completely unrelated and completely different than the week before. And how many of you guys know that's okay? I love, I love series and, and seasons where we just kind of lean into the Lord and whatever he wants to do that, that morning, we're going to lean into that. But uh, it's not going to be any less powerful, okay? This is going to be powerful, impactful, life-changing. And um, uh, I've got two words that the Lord has placed on my heart. They're also the title of my message. And so if you're note takers or you like to put a little header at the top of that note or whatnot, write down this, make room. Everybody say make room. Make room. We're going to make room for God to move in our lives in a powerful way. And so as we open up God's word, uh, let's, let's go to him in prayer and just have, ask God to open up our hearts and our minds that it wouldn't just be a message that we hear and then we leave, but that God would give us personal Revelation, revelation from his word, understanding of what that means for you and I as we walk out those doors this week and what God wants to do in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to customize this message to every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray that you customize it specifically to what they're going through right now. Lord, as we ask you to help show us how to make room for you to move and to fill and to show us the things that you have in store for us, Father. I thank you that you're a good and faithful God, and you're going to over, over exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask, think, or imagine this morning, Father God. And so we just receive it all by faith, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. So hey, pray, pray today, I really, I really pray and, and I really feel led that, that God just wants to stir us up, and he wants to remind us that, man, he wants to move in our lives. Like, I pray that you leave today knowing that, man, God wants to do something sweet in my life. And he also wants to remind us that, hey, in order for that to happen, we're going to have to make some room for him to move. Making room for God in our lives is such a necessary part of our spiritual walk and our, and our spiritual growth. But if we could just get practical and more natural just for a second to kind of maybe illustrate this in something that we can all relate to, the same is true in our natural lives, too. Like, we got to make room for the good things that we want in our life. You guys might be able to relate with this. On Saturday mornings, it's a really fun morning because normally it's grocery Saturday in the Giso house, all right? So that looks like a, a sleep in, a slow breakfast. Erica usually peels off to Aldi. About an hour, hour and a half, she comes back and she's got a truckload of food. And you know we like food in our house, all right? So we're praising God. We know where our meals are coming from that week. We unload it. We put it all out. How many of you guys know? Most families, a family of five, right? Busyness, cooking, leftovers, all that. There's usually a lot of junk in the fridge already that needs to be removed if we're going to put the new stuff in. Now, sometimes you can just cram it all in there and it all stays. But you know I'm talking about like that meatloaf you had three weeks ago that you said you'd eat for leftovers. You put it in a Tupperware and it got shoved back there. You know, the condiments that have expired 16 years ago, but they're still taking up real estate in your fridge, right? Like all that stuff back there. Some of it needs to be removed so that the good stuff can fit in there, right? Maybe you guys have been doing some, um, some spring cleaning or you understand this. Hey, can we talk about the garage, fellas, the garage? Now, garages, I think, were built so that both vehicles could park in there and, and, and stay out of the elements, right? I think the percentage of America that has like one or two vehicles in the garage is very slim, right? Those would just become extra storage units for all our junk, right? So like cleaning the garage, some husbands' just eyes just twitch. It's like, I don't, I don't even know I don't even know where to start. Like, like, you know, you get that new bike or that new toy or that new car. You're like, you're going to have to make some room if you want the good to get in there, right? 
Maybe you guys have been out in the yard lately doing maybe some landscaping. Maybe there's a tree that you want removed or there's a giant rock or something that needs to be pulled to make new, new room for the good that you want to plant there. Even in our family hangout times, right? Oftentimes you need to make room and scoot over on the couch for that little child to jump up in your lap or cuddle with you while you watch that show or that movie. We gotta make room for the good things in our life. And as I was always taught growing up, when you're eating a meal, always leave a little room for dessert. Some of you guys said ice cream. I know, yeah, for, for my context. Thank you guys. I appreciate it, all right? For dessert, there's always room for dessert, always. Even if you're full and you gorge yourself on the meal, I, my, my theology is there's always room for dessert, all right? Chocolate takes up no space, just adds a couple more calories, but there's, it, there's always room for it somewhere, amen? Um, I, I remember we were in Bible school, and we were out to eat one time, and this guy, uh, one of the guys that we're with, he goes, yeah, chocolate helps with the digestion process. So that's been my like motto. I'm like, I gotta have it because it's gonna help with the digest. I don't even know if that's true. Like, I've never even looked that up, but I've just taken that to the bank, and that's like, that's the word of God for me right now. So, um, but anyways, we all get this that we need to make room for the good in our lives. And the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. He wants to move. He wants to perform miracles. He wants to do what he does best, but he needs space to do that, right? And and in order to discover this and go a little bit deeper in this concept, I want to go over and look at Jesus' first ever public recorded miracle, it's the miracle of the wedding at Cana. A lot of you guys know it as the miracle where Jesus turned water into wine, right? A lot of us know it as that, and that's all we know it as. But as we dive deeper into this story and what Jesus did through this miracle, I believe it will show us and unlock some keys for us personally of how we can have God move in our lives in a miraculous powerful way. So if you guys are with me and you brought your Bibles or you turned your Bibles on, we'll have the scriptures for the screen as well. But we're going to go over to John chapter 2 and look at the whole story here, verses 1 through 11. So I'm going to read through the entire uh, passage of scripture here first, and then we'll walk it through and and, and pull out what we need to. So starting in John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Verse three, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Then there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill up the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Then he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And so it says they took it. And the master of the feast, when he had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This, the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So the miracle at the wedding of Cana, let's break this down and bring it in. What's going on here? So we see a couple things. Number one, this is a wedding in Cana and Jesus's mother, his earthly mother, Mary, 
is invited to this wedding. She's there. And many scholars believe that maybe it was a close family friend or relative. There was some kind of relational connection of Jesus' earthly family to this wedding, right? Not only was Mary, the mother of Jesus, invited to this wedding, but as you guys noticed in Scripture, Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding too. And so they're at this wedding celebration and this feast, and they run out of wine. Now, this is a big deal back then. It might still be a big deal at your party today. Hey, we're not going to go there today. But here's the deal. Back then, the wine at the wedding feast celebration uh, represented joy. Like, it symbolized joy. So to run out of wine meant to be running out of joy. And no couple in their right mind would want this hanging over their family heritage for year after year, generation after generation, that their celebration was cut short, and therefore their marriage celebration ended in a joyless state. So this was a really big deal. Mary knew this. Jesus was aware of these customs because he grew up in that time, right? And so Mary comes to Jesus and she's like, hey, the, the wine is running out. She comes to him with this potential social uh, crisis that's going on for this family. And not only does she tell him about it, but I love her boldness and her audacity, which we're going to talk about in a second. I believe she also implies that Jesus is able to do something about it. Amen? Like, not only does she say, hey, they're out of wine, bummer for them, right? No, like, she's like, and would you please, Jesus, step in and help this situation out, help this family. So what does he do? He goes on and, and she says, hey, servants, listen up. Whatever Jesus says, do it, all right? And then they go on and what does Jesus say? He says, hey, there's these six water pots over here that are used for the ceremony cleaning and each one is 20 to 30 gallons. So he tells the servants to fill them up with water and they do. Now, 20 to 30 gallons, let's say 25 gallons is going in the middle for each of these six. That'd be 150 gallons of fine wine. Hello, somebody say Hello. Like in our little bottle, our milliliter thing, that's 800 bottles of fine wine in one moment at one party. Whoa. It would be like this modern day uh, situation where many of you guys have seen this meme. Go ahead and throw it up there for them. This is what happens when Jesus comes to the water aisle at Walmart, all right? I don't know if you've ever been to Walmart and seen that before, but Jesus like shows up and shows out and it's like, wow, that's supposed to be water, but that is really fine wine. You can take that down. Thank you. And so, pretty cool first miracle, pretty unique first miracle. And again, I think many of us just get stuck up on the water to wine. Was Jesus an alcoholic? Do you drink? Well, we get all like all in that when we hear this miracle. It's like God's trying to show us way more than all of that business through this story. And as we lean in, I believe that we can discover the how God was able to move mightily in this situation as we walk through this. And so if you guys are note takers, I got three things that I want to pull out of this miracle at the wedding of Cana and the ways that we can make room for God to move in our own lives. The first one is this, number one, the invitation. Everybody say invitation. In John chapter two, verse two, we saw now both Jesus and his disciples were, say it with me, invited to the wedding. This is a big detail that we often like overlook, all right? Jesus was invited to this wedding. The wedding host made room for Jesus and his disciples to be at this celebration. And so why, why are we talking about this? The invitation was key in God himself in the flesh showing up in this moment, right? You know what I found over the years? The same is true for you and I in our spiritual lives. If we want God 
to move in our lives, we must make room for him. Another way we could say that is if we want God to move in our lives, we must invite him in and make room for him, right? There must be an invitation for Jesus to show up in our marriage, to show up in our finances, to show up in our health crisis, to show up in our families and with our kids. There must be an invitation for God to walk on the scene in our own lives. And you see, God is a perfect gentleman. Now, he can do whatever he wants, and he's sovereign, I get that, but he's not most likely gonna bust down the door of your life when you're not asking for it and try to do all these great things. No, he's a gentleman, He's waiting on us to ask him. He's waiting on us to have faith, to to pray him in, to invite him in. When we do that, he stands at the door and knocks him. If we open that door, he's like, sweet, I'm coming in. Your life's about to get real good. But if we are like, no, I don't need you. I got this on my own. I've got my own plan for my life. Don't mess up, Jesus. Then he's gonna politely stand there and continue to knock until we open the door. And so this is really important for us because Jesus was invited to this wedding And when he was, he could go to work. And so the question for you and I today from this point is really simply this. Have you invited Jesus in? Have you invited him in to your life? Now, the baseline is this. Have you invited Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior? We always like to start there because if you don't do that, that's where it all kind of starts, right? So if you've never prayed a prayer of salvation, if you've never said, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life, in the next few moments as we conclude today's service and message, we'll actually have an opportunity for many of you to do that if you've never done that before. Don't miss that. Make room in your life for Jesus. But many of us, maybe we've already prayed that and we already serve and follow Jesus. This is still a word for us as well. We must make room for God to move in any of those areas. So like I said, is Jesus allowed in your marriage and dating relationship? Has he been invited? Is he invited to you on the job? Or do you leave him here when you walk out on Sunday and we'll see Jesus next Sunday? Is he invited into your family, in your culture, in your family? Is he invited into your finances? And is he a big part of what you do and how you honor God with being obedient to him in that area of your life? Man, God wants to move mightily. But unless we invite him in, he's kind of locked up a little bit in as far as what he can do. He can perform miracles, but can you imagine if Jesus was never invited to this wedding? Like, what would have happened? I like to ponder and read scripture like that. Well, they'd probably run out of wine, and they probably would have not filled anything up with water expecting that to turn to wine. Therefore, the party's over, shame and condemnation guilt for this family over and over and over and over, it ends in a joyless state. That would be pretty sad. But because Jesus was invited to this wedding, come on somebody, God could turn up and show up and show out and do a miracle in that situation all because of the invite. And so I'm just here to encourage you today, here to stir you up. If you are struggling in the area of your life and you have yet to invite Jesus into that area, come on, this is your key. This is what unlocks the door for God to start moving in your life. Invite him in and give him a chance to do something miraculous. Can I get an amen? Somebody say, make room. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, scoot over. All right, we got that. Number one, the invitation. Number two is this, the expectation. Somebody say, expectation. John chapter two, verses three through five, it says, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. She goes, Jesus, I'm rocking Nikes today. Just do it. 
servant. Water? We need wine. Just do it, right? Why, why is this so big? She says two things. We have no wine, and whatever that dude says, do it. She presents the servants with two things, and she presents the issue to Jesus, and then the servants do something about it. Why does she do this? Well, I believe wholeheartedly, like I said earlier, that Mary expected Jesus to do something about it. She was there under that tree years earlier, 33 years early, 30 years earlier, where the angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a son, and his name's going to be Jesus, and he's going to be the Messiah. And he had not went public with his public ministry yet. He'd been doing some things behind the scenes. And that's why he said, it's not my time yet, Mom. She gave him a push of faith and said, Jesus, this family means a lot to us. Jesus, this situation needs a change. And Jesus, I believe that you're able to do something. She expected God Almighty in the flesh through her son Jesus to do something in this moment. And Jesus would have been familiar with the Hebrew and Jewish customs. He would have known that if he didn't do this, the shame and the guilt on this family, how the parties are, like it was just going, and it just stops. Like, all right, y'all don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You know what I'm saying? Like, we out, like we're, we're done. And so he would have known that. And so Mary expected Jesus to move. Another way we could say this, Mary had faith in Jesus's ability to change the situation, right? And her faith and her expectation teed up Jesus's first miracle at the wedding of Cana. And this is so key and important to our lives too, right? And we, we talk about faith and expectation a lot. Faith and expectation makes room for God to move in our lives. We, we preach this scripture a lot here at Alive, but Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mary had faith and basically indirectly asked Jesus to move in this situation. There was no more wine, and she said, hey, servants, listen to what this dude tells you to do. Can you imagine again, let's look at scripture on the reverse side. Can you imagine if Mary never came to Jesus with this need? If she heard that they're out of wine, but just kept on going and let the party just kind of fizzle out and die. Can you imagine if she never had the audacity to be like, hey, servants, whatever this, my son of mine says to you, do it. Party's over, right? Probably no water to wine miracle. We're not celebrating that. It's not in scripture, right? But to make room in our lives for God to move, we must expect him to move. We must have expectation. And so our big takeaway reflection question in this area is, is what are you expecting God to do in your life right now? What are you activating and applying your faith to right now? What do you expect him to do, right? Do you have faith that God can and will move in your life? Do you believe he's able to change that situation around? And I, I, know, I know so many Christians that get so sidetracked and so beat down by the enemy, they believe in God. But because of that shameful thing they've done or that situation that's just gone bad, we have this self-guilt, this self-condemnation that God doesn't love me and he can't move miraculously in my life because of what I did then and what I said there and what I'm doing here and all of this. And man, God's like, hey, we just celebrated communion this morning. We are washed in the blood of Jesus. Nothing that we do, no religion or tradition can get us to God. Only the sacrifice of Jesus can get us to God. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see the jacked up sin, the pornography addiction 
addiction, the foul mouth, the bad financial decisions. When, Je- when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus' blood. He says, come on in here. You're my kid. I love you. You've been justified, not by what you've done, but because of what my son has done. And you are accepted and you are chosen. And we got to get through that mental block that the enemy puts blinders on our mind and our eyes and says, you're not worthy enough to be in church this morning. You're not worthy enough to lift your hands and worship this morning. Come on, somebody. This is the church that we're building. There's way too many people that say, oh, you didn't dress right this morning. You don't smell right this morning. You don't look right this morning. That's not going to get them to God. Amen? Come as you are, and then he'll clean you up. Amen? And so, man, we got to get past this, but do you believe and expect that God wants to move in your life this morning? Let that set you free. For some of you, that, that chain is breaking off of you right now in the name of Jesus. God could do a miracle for me. God could turn my sorrow into dancing, my mourning into dancing. He could turn my grave situation into a garden. Absolutely, 100%. That's the God we serve. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for them, if he did it for his family, guess what? He wants to do it for you too, amen? So be set free in that. And so practically, man, are you believing God to break through in maybe a financial situation? Do you expect him to move and help provide your need? Do you have a faith and expectation on that? If not, get in God's word and find out what it says and then take it to the bank and expect it, right? If you're dealing with a health condition or you got a family member or a loved one that's kind of dealing with some health stuff, do you believe that God can help them, that he can heal them, he can help them recover? Do you have an expectation on that. Maybe, hey, you're single and you're looking, you're single and ready to mingle. You know what I'm saying? And you're trying to find that Mr. Someone or Mrs. Someone. Do you believe and expect that God will lead you to a godly spouse someday? And have you even asked him for it yet? Because he wants to move and do it. But unless we invite him in, unless we have that expectation of faith and pull on that, it's not going to happen. It doesn't just wake up one day and it's in the tree. Like money doesn't grow on trees and neither does all these other things. We, we got to go after it. And God's given us every ability to do that. And so today, well, may we expect God and make room for him to move in our lives. Everybody say make room. Y'all good? One more. Number three, third area where we can make room for God is number three, the obedience. Everybody say obedience. Whoa, modern day swear word just happened in church. You know what I'm saying? Just obedience, all right? Here, John chapter two, verses seven and eight. Jesus said to them, fill up the water pots and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out now some and take it to the master of the feast. And it said, and they took it. So Jesus said, fill it up and then take it there. And what did the servants do? They filled it up and they took it to the master of the banquet. Guys, the servants' obedience made room for their breakthrough. The servants' obedience opened up the door for God to move in a miraculous way in this situation. Obedience made room for Jesus to perform a miracle. I love this. This isn't the sexy thing to preach. Let's do an eight-week series on obedience. Who's going to be there next week? Oh, I think I got that vacation planned. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it it was really nice, like 80 degrees out. We just wanted to be out with the family. Yeah, crickets, you know? We missed this. Think about it. If the servants hadn't filled up the water pots, would they have ever had an opportunity to turn into wine? Sure, Jesus could have been, look, there's just wine in it. He could have. But he gave specific instructions. His word to these servants was to fill it up. And a lot of times God has already given us everything we need in his word. He's taught us 
how to do it right and what his higher best plan way is. The question is, are we obedient to it? Are we listening to it? And more, more importantly, are we following it? Are we following through with it, right? If the servants would have refused, I think I think I could be like, if I was a servant, I'd be like, all right, this guy's crazy. What's he been smoking at this party? Get some water. Let's see if this happens. So I'd fill up the six pots. When they're like, take his cup and take it to the headmaster. I bet I'm out. I don't want to look goofy. Because I know that when I dip that cup in there, that's H2O. When I give that over to him, that's H2O. I'm going to get laughed out of here. But they took it by faith. Jesus was invited. They had some faith and expectation, and they were obedient to dip and take. And when that master drank that, he's like, hold up, stop the party. This ain't no cheap stuff. This ain't the leftovers. Wow, what a party. This family, the honor that this family has bestowed, Jesus performed a miracle in their midst because of their obedience, right? And here's how I've always known it to work. There's an us part and there's a God part when it comes to walking out God's plan for our life and the miracles that he wants to do. Our part is to invite Jesus in. Our part is to expect and believe in faith. And our part is to be obedient to his word. God's part is to work the miracle. God's part is to bring the breakthrough. God's part is to deliver on what he promised. We do our part, God does his part. It's a beautiful harmonious thing. But if we fail to follow God's instructions, we fail to do it his way. Because here's, I don't know about you guys, I'm guilty of this so much. There's my way and there's God's way. And a lot of times, I think I got it all figured out. I know how God's gonna move in this situation or how he's gonna heal in this situation or how it's all gonna pan out in the timeline on it and all of that. And God's like, man, that's what you think, but you're limited in your knowledge and resources. I'm infinite. And I see what's absolutely best in this situation. God's way is always the best way, amen? We must surrender to that. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when our flesh fights us on it, we must believe that he's a good father and he never asked us to do anything that would result in embarrassment, would result in lack, would steal, kill, and destroy from us? Absolutely not. He's a good father. When he asked us to do something, Jesus said, fill it up and take it to the master because he knew what was about to happen. And so what is that word that God is speaking to you in this season that you just need to be obedient to? What is that situation that he's given you instruction on or he's teaching you on and you just need to surrender and yield to it because the breakthrough is on the other side of your obedience. Come on, somebody. We want to make room for God to move, but obedience is part of the equation if we want him to move, right? And so what has God told you to do that you need to start doing, right? For maybe for some of us, God's challenging us in the financial arena to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, to begin to believe him for increase in our life. And and our flesh hates it. Our flesh doesn't want to do it. And I would just say to you, not manipulatively, not earthly, from God's heart, do it. Because there is breakthrough on the other side of that obedience. And he loves you and he wants what's best for you. For some of us, it's like God's leading us to pray and fast and press in in a certain area of our life. And you may be like, I don't got time for that. Or what does that look like? And I just encourage you by faith, do it because there is breakthrough on the other side of your obedience. Amen. 
Maybe God's getting all up in your grill about your lifestyle, right? Like the friends you're hanging out or what you're doing on Friday nights or the shows you're watching. He, he did that in my life. And you're like, oh, I don't know what I do, man. Just whatever he's leading you to do, do it. Whatever he says to you, Mary said, do it because your miracle is right around the corner. Breakthrough is right around the corner. And maybe you've been stirred up like we have these last few months and especially last month with This Is Us. Like, man, God wants us all to step up and be more engaged and active in our faith, amen? And to take that step of faith, whatever that next step of faith is for us. And if you are getting challenged and nudged by the Lord, I just encourage you to be obedient and do it. Because like, I want you to grow in your knowledge of the word. This is the last call today because we started this week. I want you to take a basics class on, on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, whichever one you're taking, the 101 or the 401 starts this week. I want you to make room for God and his word to minister to you. Maybe for some of you, you're being challenged to just find some godly friends and community in your lifestyle. You're lonely and you're depressed or you just need hope and you need encouragement throughout the week, not just on Sundays. And I would say, man, make room for those by getting in a crew this summer. In a few weeks, we'll have crew registration, which is our small groups. We have a lot of different options for people to be a part of. Don't miss the boat on that. Sign up for one of those and make room for God to connect you with divine relationships. And, and for some of you, you're like, man, I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my purpose is. Man, there's no better way to find your purpose than to hook into God's purpose, amen? and to serve his purpose. And so if you're not currently on the Alive team and not using your gifts and talents to make a way for other people to come into a saving knowledge of Jesus, I encourage you, hey, you may not even know where you want to serve. Just say, I need to get on the team. Where do you got spots? Where's the greatest need? Or maybe you have something specific on your heart that you want to bring to the table. Let God and make room for God to use your gifts and your talents and connect you with your divine purpose. Obedience brings God's blessings. And so, man, it's the door to open up God to move more in our lives. And so I found that we often want God-sized results and miracles, but we want to do it our way. And man, Lord, help for, forgive us. I want to do it this way, and I want you to bless it that way. And God's like, that's not exactly how it works. I know what's best. My way is the best way. Jesus even said out of his mouth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to experience the goodness of the Father that he has for you, it's found through him and his way. And I want to leave you with this prophetic word that I believe is not only for us as a church, but I believe it's for us and you personally, because we are the church, amen? It's been burning in my heart. I didn't know where it fit the last few weeks. And I just said, hey, this works great because we're talking about making room. It's from the prophet Isaiah. Some of you guys are familiar with this. Isaiah chapter 54, verses two and three. God speaks to the prophet. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the left and to the right, or to the right and then the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. What is God trying to get our attention on in that? He's saying, make 
room for me to move. Lift up your eyes from your limited ability and see what God wants to do in and through you, not personally only, but even through our church. Strengthen the stakes, do the hard work, get ready, humble yourselves, serve him, pray fast, get ready because God's about to do something new. Expansion is on the horizon and lives are hanging in the balance and we're not playing church. This isn't a feel-good club and get out. This is the living bride of Christ that Jesus is coming back for, amen? And God's got a plan for your life. And if you don't know it yet, my goodness, he wants to show it to you. Thank you, Jesus. So expand, stretch. Lord, stretch us. Back in the 90s, they had this toy called Stretch Armstrong, the weirdest toy ever. Like gooey arms, and me and my friends like stretched it too much, so it broke and the goo came out. We're like, oh, that's the secret sauce. Uh, it was like weird. I don't know if any of you guys can relate with that. I'm a 90s kid, right? So we must make room for God to move in our life. I pray that's very clear after this morning. And we might be at one of three invitations. Number one is the invitation Have we invited Jesus in? Not just to our life to be Lord and Savior, but have we invited him into every area of our life? Number two, the expectation. Are you expecting for God to move? Are you just hoping and waiting and chilling? Maybe God will make something happen. That doesn't really work that way. Or the timetable is going to be way delaying, d- delayed. God wants you to go after it by faith. He already told in his word what his word, will is. So just go after it, amen? And expect and have faith. And number three, obedience. What word or theme is God speaking to your heart right now that you just need to do? and just simply be obedient to. Because I believe when all three of those collide, that's where miracles happen. That's where water literally can molecularly be turned into wine, which makes no sense to the human brain. But God is so good. He's above all that, amen? And he wants to do that not only in church circles, he wants to do that in your life. Just take that to heart today. And so how we're gonna end today, worship team, come on up and join Lindsay up here. We need to respond. This is one of these messages. I'm like, all right, good word, Pastor. See you later. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back next Sunday, maybe, as long as you're not talking about the eight-week series on obedience, all right? We need, <laughs> we need to respond today. We need, we need to make some room even for the Holy Spirit right now to deliver what he needs to or download into our hearts or reveal to us. And we need to have a moment where we say, you know what, God? I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to surrender this to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to invite you, and I'm going to expect, and I'm going to be obedient to you. So that's what we're going to do in this next time. I'm going to have the team lead us in a song. It's called Make Room. It's a brand new song. Been my jam for the last month and a half, non-repeat, non-stop. Lord, do something. Let me make room. Help me lay down my tradition. Help me lay down my religion. Your way is better. I surrender all this to you. Make room for you to do what you want me to do that's what we're going to do today. So however you need to respond, if you need to sing along with the lyrics, if you need to stay seated and pray, if you need to lift your hands for the first time and just surrender your life to Christ, whatever God puts on your heart, like Mary said, whatever Jesus leads you to do, do it. Amen. And I believe there's breakthrough on the other side of that obedience. Would you guys stand to your feet and join the team as they lead us in this worship moment? And I'll be back up to close this out. Father God in our lives. I just want to encourage you guys, you know, part of obedience is 
God, what do we do to make room? And I just keep getting surrender. God is saying surrender. He's not saying surrender the things that we love. He's saying surrender the things that are holding you back. Surrender the fear. Surrender the doubt. Surrender the anxiety. Surrender the depression. Surrender the lust. Surrender the the thoughts of suicide. Surrender the sickness. Surrender everything that's plaguing you, that's holding you back from the goodness of God that he has for you to make room for the prosperity, to make room for the peace, to make room for his grace, to make room for his goodness. Amen. That's what he's saying this morning. Make room for me by surrendering the things that are holding you back. So God, we just openly surrender this morning. We just say, God, I'm done. I'm done with this thing that's holding me back from you. And Father God, I surrender. I make room for you. God, I love you and I praise you. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Shake up the ground of all my trip. 
for you in our lives. Put down the shame and the guilt and the pride, the stubbornness, Lord. We leave it at your altar today. We leave it here. It can't follow us back out there. But we make room for you. And when we make room for you, you can move mightily. You can perform miracles in our lives. And so, Father, I just thank you for a spirit of surrender and a spirit of obedience in this place this morning. Yes. Some of us are making room for God outside of Sundays in our personal walk with him this week. Come on. Some of us are inviting God into our marriages or re-inviting him back into our relationships. Jesus be at the center. Father, may our finances honor you and worship you. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that when we go to work tomorrow, we don't leave you here, but we take you with us, that you're a part of our everyday lives. Hallelujah, Father, we make room for you. And as we make space for you, the good, the new, the fresh, the anointed can be deposited in that space. God always fills us with his grace. God always fills us with something good. God always tops us off with something more. He's a God of exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. As we make room, Father, fill us to the overflow from head to toe, everywhere we go. Father, you at the center, you 
coming alive in our hearts, in our lives. We're not playing church. We're not a feel-good club. This is the church. We are your bride. It's time to awaken and arise. Arise, lift up your eyes as you arise and see the harvest field ripe with souls. Father God, we thank you and we lean into this word this morning. And Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence here. May we be obedient to you. May we honor you. May we worship you as we make room for you. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise in this place this morning. Come on. Hallelujah. Guys, may take your seats. One last thing. If you're here today, whether in person or you're tuning in online, praise God. God's got a word for you every single Sunday. But here's the word. If you don't know Jesus, get to know him right now. Take the religion out of the relationship and and just focus on the relationship right now and say, hey, where is Jesus in your life? If you've never called upon him as Lord and Savior, you can do that today. The Bible's very clear on that. And that's the first step to make room for him. So if everybody just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I never like to close the service without this because I don't know who God brought today and I don't know who's tuning online, but I know God does. If you're here today, both in person or online, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's how you make room first. Invite him in. Because when he comes in, he's going to begin to show you what you can have faith for to expect. And when you expect that, then you can be obedient to it, and your life will completely be changed. But it starts right here. And so if you don't know Jesus personally, if you don't know if you were to leave those doors today and something bad would happen, that you'd be a guaranteed eternity in heaven. The Bible says whoever believes in his heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord would be saved. You can have that today, not because of what you did or because you came to church, because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. And he loves you and he's madly in love with you and he wants a personal relationship with you. And so if that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, you wanna receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe rededicate your life to him, both here in person and online. I'm not going to call you out or call you up or embarrass you. I just want to know who I can link my faith with and join me in this prayer as we pray to receive Jesus. If that's you and you want to do that today, would you just boldly slip up your hand unashamed and say, that's for me. That invitation's for me. I want to do that today. Praise God. And what we're going to do, we're just going to pray a simple yet powerful prayer. I want all of us to pray it together as a church family. Would you just repeat this after me? Invite Jesus and say, Lord God, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, change my life, and help me live a life that's pleasing to you. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.